Welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Jason Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. Father God, I just thank you and praise you, Lord, for this time. Open up our hearts to receive your word. Your word is manna, it's bread, it's practical. We can use it this week. Your word also, Lord, is seed planted deep in the good soil of our hearts and produces life in us and changes us. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Teach us what we need to know and prepare us for what is coming in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I want to welcome those who are watching on the stream, the vidcast. We appreciate you. Don't forget about our daily Bible study. It's Monday through Friday. Go to YouTube and type in daily Bible study, and you'll find us right away. We just encourage you with the morning scripture. We pray every day. It's me and my brother, my favorite pastors in the world. And today I want to talk to you about developing an unshakable identity. We have a new identity when we chose to believe in Jesus, or really He chose us, and that new identity is who He is in us. His Spirit comes in us, and amplifies all the best parts of us, and puts to death all the wrong things, the bad things, the past, the brokenness, the scars. I'm not trying to upgrade an old person. We got a new person. I'm not trying to fix up the person that we used to be. That person is dead and gone. And sometimes that person wants to talk to us and wants to be us and still thinks that they have a say in our lives. But really, your new identity is Christ in you. You can walk as He walks, living a blessed, overcoming, unstoppable life. That's who Jesus was. And Satan's greatest deception in the body of Christ, I do not believe, is to get us to sin, to tempt us. Sin has no power anymore. I believe his greatest deception is to get us to forget who we are. He wants you to believe that God's abandoned you. God's not listening to you. God's mad at you. He wants you to believe you can't do it. It's impossible. He wants you to believe that the storm is too loud. The giant is too big. The river is too wide. The climb is too steep. You're broken. You're wounded. You're scarred. You're marred. You're weak. You're ugly. You're short. You can't preach. Oh, well, that, some of that's just for me. That's what he says to me. I guess he doesn't say that all to you, but... He wants you to believe lies about who you are because he's scared to death that you'll ever realize who you really are and begin to walk in that potential that as Christ was, so are we in this world. Amen. That you might live an overcoming and blessed, victorious life. And it's not that you don't get hit. It's that you just keep getting back up. You just keep going, keep climbing, keep running, keep praying. You just keep declaring, you keep believing, you keep hoping, you become an unstoppable, unbeatable, unbreakable, undeniable, unfathomable force on this planet. Somebody say amen. You see, God believes in you. And He believes this about you. And this is what He tells you. We have to learn how to put our faith in who He says we are. Not what the enemy says. In Genesis in chapter 45, the Bible says they told Joseph, or they told Jacob, they told him, Jacob, Joseph is still alive. And this is Jacob, and his son was Joseph. And 25 years ago, his brothers sold Joseph into slavery. Joseph's brothers did. And 20 pieces of silver they got for him. And they came back to their father, Jacob, and had dipped his robe in blood. 
And uh, his, his father looked at the robe and was like, oh my gosh, my son has been ripped apart by wild beasts. My son Joseph is dead. So he believed that Joseph was dead. It says that they came and told him. Now, 25 years later, they had gone to Egypt to get some food because they had run out of food in their family. They had been in this famine and things were tight and they needed rescuing. And so they went to Egypt to get rescued. And, and there's Joseph and he's the leader now, the prime minister of all of Egypt. And He's, he's been elevated by God. He's working it out. He's got food for his brothers. And the brothers come back to tell their father, Jacob, hey, Joseph's alive. Look at, watch this. Joseph's still alive. In fact, he's ruler of Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. He didn't believe what they told him. Next verse. But when they told him everything Joseph had said, when he heard what Joseph was saying, and he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father was revived. Which means for 25 years, the spirit of their father was just surviving. How many know there's a difference between survive and revive? Amen. When you've been surviving, you still need to be reviving. He heard what Joseph had said. He was revived. Next verse. And Israel said... I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Why call him Israel right here? Who's Israel, you might say? Israel is the name God gave Jacob. Kind of rewinding Jacob's life. When he was a young man, he dressed up like his older brother, trying to get the blessing from the father that was due the oldest brother. So he dressed up like his older brother and put some hair on him and tricked his dad, who couldn't see very good, into believing that he was his brother Esau. And he got the blessing. Well, Esau was so enraged by this that he decided to kill Jacob. And these two brothers are fighting and, and off Jacob goes running for his life. He gets visited by God that night at Bethel and has a vision from God and starts to cultivate this relationship with God where God's saying, listen, I'm, I've been the father of your, your, the God of your father Abraham, the God of your father Isaac, but now I'm your God. And one night he's wrestling with God as he's getting ready to be reconciled to his brother Esau. Many years later, he's married, he's been having some kids now, and, and God wrestles with him all night. At the, it's, just, it's an odd night, I'll admit, but at the end of the night, the Lord renames Jacob to Israel. No longer will your name be Jacob, he said, but now your name will be Israel. Now, Israel means a soldier prevailing with the Lord. Prevailing soldier, one who wins for the Lord. Jacob means deceiver. God gave him a new identity. Just in the same way God has given us a new identity. He's given us a new name, a brand new life. Everything's brand new for you. That you can walk as Jesus walked. You're a brand new person. God's renamed you. But sometimes we walk in who we used to be. Jacob here, let's go back to the scripture. It says that when he was revived of his spirit, then Israel said, after that revival came, what happened? Oh, I remember who I am. He was acting like his old self, Jacob. God reveals to us in the depth of his word that when we get discouraged, when we get hit, when we get knocked down, we begin to act like who we used to be. God told him he was Israel, but he was just being Jacob. An interesting thing about this is 25 years he got hit and was down. The Bible says after 
he believed Joseph had died. They tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. Now, this is Jacob. His grandpa is Abraham, the father of faith. His dad is Isaac, who laid hands on his head and blessed him with the blessing of God, who God himself blessed and renamed. This guy's dad, when he was hit with famine, Isaac, the Bible says he sowed in famine and reaped a hundredfold. These were overcoming people in his life above him who had gone before him, showed him how to do it. He had talked to God. He had walked with God. He'd been blessed by God. But for 25 years now, he's been acting like Jacob. He got knocked down. He refused to be comforted. He stayed down, and his life is sliding. And the same man who had the blessing of God found himself in such a famine that he had to go find food in Egypt. What's my point? He had forgotten who he was. We are blessed of God, and God does not want us to forget who we are. We have to remember, what did God call me? He called me a winner, an overcomer, right? The Bible says in, in James, in, in chapter, let's go there, chapter 1, in verse 23. For anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Now, first of all, I want to I pinch and zoom into here. You see, when we let negativity make us negative, see, because negativity is going to come. But when we let negativity make us negative, it causes us to become who we used to be. We forget who we are. We don't have to let negativity make us negative. Jesus never let negativity make him negative. Negativity, they, they reject him the whole town. They hate him. The crisis comes, storm comes. What does he do? He just keeps going. He never got negative about it. Never had a bad, well, I don't know why these people don't like me. They're so mean. Judas betrayed me. I don't know what I'm going to do. What do you do? He just keeps going. He doesn't allow that attitude out here to change the attitude that was him. In the same way, we have to have this lockdown attitude. And the key is to believing God's word. Jesus would say this to his disciples often when they began to panic, when they lost sight of who they really are and what they really were capable of. He would say, Oh, you of little faith. He would always tell them their problem was simply believing God, believing the word of God. And here it says, we're pinching and zooming on the word mirror, that when you hear the word of God, it's like looking in a mirror. Do you see that? That's the metaphor he used. When you hear the word of God, it's just like looking in a mirror. So I hear the word, I'm looking at the word of God. There's the Bible, I'm looking at it. And when I hear it, it tells me, what? That if I forget, if I walk away and don't do it, then I've forgotten what sort of man I am. Because why? Because the Bible, the Word of God, which is Jesus, is reflecting Christ. I look at Him, the Word of God, and I see Him in all His glory. And by looking at Him, I'm being transformed into that glory. I'm looking at a mirror of who I actually am. You have a mirror in your house. I got mirrors, right? You got a mirror, you walk out. I wake up in the morning, I see my mirror, I walk out. In the morning, I look. I remember when I was young, and I'd walk out, and I'd see the mirror, and I'd be like, "Oh, I look pretty good," and throw some water in. I'm good to go. Off I go. Forty-seven years old, something changes. I don't know what happens, but ugly fairy visits me at night or something. I, I walk out and see that mirror. No matter how many times I see it, I'm always startled. Why is that? I don't know. I walk out and I go, "Ah, oh, I've got some work to do today." You know, right? I look like a mad scientist going to a zombie convention or something. It's like, how does the hair even, I don't even know what happened. Everything's falling down and drooping and there's hair growing out of, anyways. 
And so we know what that looks like to look in a mirror. But when we hear the word of God, we're looking in a mirror. And he says, and, and you've got to be a doer of the word. Now, the doing is the response or the evidence that I believed. That's all it is. Doing is response or evidence that I believed. In other words, the crippled man is down. Jesus says, get up and walk. It wasn't the getting up and walking that healed him. It was his faith that made him whole. But the getting up and walking was evidence that he had faith. Or in other words, when Abraham was told, go to the land I will show you and I will bless you, Abraham's going isn't what made him righteous. No, no, no. The Bible says he was made righteous because he believed God. But the going was evidence that he believed God. In other words, the doing is evidence that we have faith in what God said. So I look at the word of God, and instead of walking away and forgetting what sort of man I was, because what happens is, is I fall down, I fail, I get tempted, I, I make a stupid mistake, I get my foot in my mouth, and immediately the enemy says, that's what sort of man you are. But no, no, no. The Bible says I forgot what sort of man I am actually am. That wasn't even me that did that, but that was sin that lives in me that did that. I am the righteousness of God. So I go back to the Bible and I say, what sort of man am I then? Am I weak? And God goes, nope, you're strong. You're an overcomer. Yeah, but I'm not very smart. You have the mind of Christ. You're the hands and feet of Christ. You are the body of Christ. You are clothed in Christ, and Christ is in you. As Christ was in this world, so are you. You are an overcomer. You are the righteousness of God. You are holy. You are blameless. You're forgiven. You're redeemed. You are empowered. You are perfected forever. after looking at that. That's what sort of man I am. That's the mirror that I want to look at. But what do I got to do? I have to put my faith in what God said. And Jacob had lost faith in who God said he was. God said, you're a prevailing, victorious soldier. But he'd gotten hit. He got discouraged. It makes sense. He's a young man and father. And then his wife died during childbirth. And he got hit, man. Real stuff happens. It's real life. It's tricky out there. And then he finds out that Joseph's dead, which wasn't true. And a lot of times we're down because we're believing a lie. His son Joseph wasn't dead, but because he believed a lie for 25 years, life was slipping. He wasn't living the blessing. wasn't living victorious. He's kind of stealing from his kids who are still alive from his grandkids who were still alive, stealing their time from them and that relationship that he could have been having, the joy of his own life. But after hearing what Joseph said, it wasn't when they told him Joseph was alive, it's when he heard the words of Joseph that he was revived in his spirit. Now Joseph is a picture of Jesus, right? Even Pharaoh renamed him Zephnoth Paniah, which means savior of the world. So when you hear what the Savior of the world has said, now you're going to experience reviving on the deepest part of you. And if you need reviving today, it's coming to you. Do you want to know why? Because you're hearing what Jesus has said to you and what Jesus has said about you. Come on and give the Lord some praise. You're probably going to get hit. But when you get hit, you just get back up. You just keep believing. We're all going to get hit sometimes. There's always going to be a storm. It's going to get hot in the fires of adversity. But we just keep going. We just keep believing. We don't want to get in a position where we're down and then we have to be revived. We're down and then we have to be revived. We want to be in a place where we're just staying alive.
You feeling me? When things get tricky, you're just walking, man. Well, you can't tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's man. No time to talk. It doesn't matter what comes against you because you got your Jesus mojo, man. You just keep going. The year that we moved into this building was Father's Day of 2000, and it's a great miracle to, that God gave us this great property, and, and my mom and dad, great, amazing man and woman of God, pastors, and, you know, God using them and moving through them. And that same year in November, my dad was preaching. We had two services back then, and he was preaching in November of, the, of 2000, and and his voice just stopped working. I remember the Sunday. It was a tricky Sunday. And he lost his voice entirely. And he went to the doctor that week to get antibiotics or whatever. But through a series of referrals and tests, they diagnosed him with throat cancer. And they didn't say that he was going to die from it. But certainly the surgery and the procedures, he would not be able to speak. He certainly wouldn't be able to preach. You know, the next week, he, Sunday came and he coughed his way through the sermon using some cough drops. He could have thought to himself, well, God, why'd you bring me this far? Only to let me get throat cancer. Of all the things that could have happened to me, Lord, why not toe cancer? Like, what? Of all, like ear, some other thing that's not my throat, this is what I do. And what does the enemy do? He comes and says, well, you got into this building, but really God's got a better pastor for this church. He's got somebody with a better voice. God's going to move you out of the way. That's why he let you get throat cancer. God's not going to heal you. This is what the enemy does. Gets us to doubt who we are. But my dad, he had an unshakable identity. He said no. He said no in that doctor's office. And he said no every weekend. He would cough his way through a sermon all through November, all through December. Tremendous pain after he was done preaching. Just kept preaching. He says that there was a Sunday in January. He was in the middle of his sermon, and all of a sudden, his tone changed. Strength came to his voice. The pain had left entirely. He said, I suddenly felt like I had a stronger voice than I ever had before. He knew that in that moment, he had manifested that healing in his life. I talked to him about it this week, and he, he said, I called the doctor and I made an appointment with the next referral that I was supposed to have gone seen. He went to the Mayo Clinic, and the doctor said to him, well, tell me why you're here. And he had the scans, and he had the diagnosis that there was throat cancer. And my dad said, I'm here to waste your time. <laughs> and so he, he asked the man to check his throat, and the doctor ran a scope down his throat and said, I, I have to tell you, you don't even have a throat strain. Get out of my office. You're wasting my time. the key though my dad had to stay in faith he couldn't get discouraged oh why is this happening to me this is so bad my life's so bad God's left me he had to stay in faith and know that God is good 
He had to keep saying, thank you, Jesus, that you've already healed me. I know you withhold no good thing from me. I know that you've already given me everything. And by faith, I receive that I am healed of this throat cancer. Throat cancer is nailed to the cross. And by the stripes of Jesus, my throat is healed. I thank you, Lord, for my healing. I thank you, Lord, that you've called me to many years of preaching. I thank you, Lord, that I'm going to keep preaching and not have any problems. What was he doing? He was staying positive. Consider it pure joy when you experience trials of many kinds, because we know the testing of our faith produces perseverance. In other words, we don't let the negativity give us a negative attitude. Instead, we know I'm more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. I have the mind of Christ. He's put the helmet of salvation upon me. He's given me the sword of the Spirit. He's given me the breastplate of His righteousness. I have a shield of faith to withstand the fiery darts. I got the belt of truth. I'm wearing the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And every time I walk down the street, Satan is trembling in his feet because he says, oh my goodness, there comes Jesus. He looks at me and he sees Christ coming at him, armed to the teeth, a tattoo on his thigh that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords, fire coming out of his eyes and a sword out of his mouth. That's my Jesus. Woo! And he chose to make me his temple. I will gladly allow him to express himself into my life. You see, the old you is the one that gets discouraged, not the new you. The new you is Christ in you, and he doesn't get discouraged. He's not shaken by the report that layoffs are coming. He's not broken by the betrayal. That's the old you. The old you is, is, is discouraged and complaining, but the new you, the new you is not revengeful and rejection, but just keeps forgiving the unforgivable, keeps loving the unlovable. The new you, when the fires of adversity come, the new you, Jesus in you, he just keeps praying keeps declaring, keeps hoping, keeps climbing, keeps racing, keeps believing. He's unbeatable. He's unstoppable. He's undeniable. He's unfathomable. He's unbreakable. He's the Lion of Judah. He's the Rock of my salvation. He's the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is the author and perfecter of my faith. Can I get an amen in this house? Can the people of God just take a second to praise the Lord? Let's just give him praise right now. Is he not so good to us? Thank you, Lord. The key is, the key, the, the key here is just to keep our faith in his word. In Psalm chapter 40 and verse 2, he, he brought me out of the slimy pit. He brought me out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon the rock. That's really where I want to live my life. An unshakable identity is one that's planted on the rock. And that rock is the word of God. And my faith stays strong in Jesus and his word. I stay stable on that. No matter when the waves come. We went deep sea fishing. The whole family did. And Kelly and Katie and Matthew and Logan and me. And we got on that boat and Started catching some fish. Kelly caught a shark. It was an amazing day. We all had our sea legs. We were good, all except Logan. Logan's 12, and I think he was 10 at the time. And I tell you what, that rocking back and forth, he just couldn't get his foundation set. He was, got seasick. He was throwing up, having a terrible time. We'd take turns sitting with him and giving him Coke and praying over him. While everyone is catching fish, having this most amazing time, huge fish, 
And they cut open a fish at one point and, and, and started just pulling, the, it was really disgusting, pulling the meat out and putting soy sauce on it. They're like, hey, you want to eat some fish? Like, look, listen, man should cook his food. Can I just say that? <laughs> Sushi, that's an awful thing. I believe that's from the devil. Don't eat it. But my whole family's like, Dad, it's so good. You've got to try it. No, thank you. Build me a fire and I'll cook some. They were having such a great time. You know, it was the same boat with the same waves. We were all on the same journey, but different experiences. The ones who had their balance were having fun, but the one without balance got sick. In the same way in this life, we're on the same boat and the same journey with so many people. And some people are gonna be sick of their marriage, gonna be sick of their job, gonna be sick of this life. And other people are gonna be fishing and catching fish, same waves, same boat. They're eating from the goodness of the land. The only difference is that my feet were planted in the rock of my salvation. It's the same storm, but I seem to sleep through the storm. I got peace in every situation. I keep praying, keep believing, keep declaring, keep hoping, keep climbing. Why? Because I have learned to, to have an unshakable identity. You know, it wasn't a big storm either. That there was just normal waves. And sometimes it's the little foxes that make a mess of our life. You know, the, the little foxes that'll mess up the vineyard, the little waves that just keep coming at you that can sometimes cause us to get into a negative attitude. All it took to ruin your day, that day was traffic, a, a rude person at the Starbucks, you know, the husband left their stuff out again, somebody posted something on Facebook that offended you. It could be just little things that cause us to be shaken in who we are. Suddenly our attitude's negative, we're complaining, we're having a bad day, Whoa, why are you so crabby? I hardly slept last night. I'm allowed to be crabby. Really? Is that all it takes to shake you off your foundation? I think we could be stronger than that. I think that we could secure our feet so that the little waves stop bothering us. Because I think that if we will practice and get our bearings and not be so negative about all the small things, then when the big thing does happen, it'll be a lot easier to stay positive and stay in faith. Let's work on staying in faith with the little waves in our life. I believe we can all have victory in this place. It'll change the atmosphere of your job. It'll change the atmosphere of your marriage. It'll change the atmosphere of your family. And while other people are complaining about their marriage and complaining about their life, complaining about traffic and complaining about the movie that was no good and they wasted their money, as they're complaining, you find yourself having a great life, having a great marriage. You're eating fish, you're catching fish, you're having sushi even though it's awful. You're loving life even though it's the same experience. Why? Because you've learned how to not let the little foxes bother you. Tom Dempsey knows what it is to meet adversity with hope and faith. He was born January 12, 1947, with half of a right foot and no right arm, but a passion to play football. And he could have said, God, why would you give me a passion like this? He's a Christian man, raised in a Christian family. Could have said, you know what, this is an awful thing that God caused me to be born like this and then give me the burning desire to love sports and play in football. I've been abandoned. It's a mean trick. His dad said to him one day when he had said, I can't do things other people can do, Dad. It's impossible. His dad said to him, you might have to do things differently, but you can do them. He pursued football, became a kicker. One day, even got into the NFL. And in 1970, when his team was down by two points, the New Orleans Saints, 
at the end of the game with just 11 seconds left, they called him in to kick an impossible field goal, seven yards further than the world record, 21 feet further than anyone had ever kicked a field goal before. They sent him into the game and he kicked with his half foot a 62-yard field goal, breaking the record by 21 feet and held that record for 43 years. What they found was the same thing that you thought would have made him weak by having no toes actually was an advantage because in physics, anything that absorbs energy, like in that kick, would actually make the ball go shorter distance. But by having no toes, there was no toes to absorb the energy, he was able to kick further than people who did have toes. The same thing that kids would have teased him about, the same thing that people would have said you could never be a field goal kicker, was the same thing that became a strength in his life. What did he have to do? Keep his faith in God, keep believing, keep trusting, keep persevering, don't quit. What was he doing? He was doing, ah, 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 staying alive, staying alive. <laughs> in, a, in a football kick, the football will collapse when a kicker kicks it. And if it stays collapsed, it'll probably only travel just a few feet, maybe a few yards. But a football, when it's kicked, will actually leave the foot 20% faster than the foot was traveling. It's really kind of a physics miracle. Well, why does it re go faster and go so high? In 186 feet, this man kicked the ball. How is that possible? It's because, it's not because it got kicked so hard, but it's because it returned to its original form. It's in the returning to its original form after the collapse that causes it to go to the new heights. In the same way, we'll all get kicked sometimes. But if you don't stay collapsed and you return to your original form, it's the returning to your original form that'll send you to new heights. That's what God has for you, an unshakable identity. Peter, one of the disciples of Christ, in fact, his main right-hand dude, the guy he handed the baton of the church to, his original name was Simon. Jesus renamed him Peter. Peter means rock. Simon means believing what you heard. And that's the process. We believe what we heard until we become rock. Immovable, unshakable identity. When Jesus renamed Peter rock, he wasn't a rock. And sometimes Jesus would call him Simon when, when Simon was being annoying. When Peter fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus went over to him and said, Simon, couldn't you stay awake for just a little bit? When Jesus resurrected, Peter went back to fishing. Jesus was resurrected. It was time to start Peter's race, but he went back to the old thing. When Jesus saw him and called him from the boat and sat down with him at the fire, Jesus said, Simon, what was he saying? You forgot who you were. You're not Simon, you're Peter. Why did Simon forget what he was? You know, when you forget who you are, you'll go back to what you used to do. That's not even who you are. Was it because Jesus resurrected that he was so sad? Well, of course not. What was Peter so upset about that caused him to go backwards? Remorse. He had denied his best friend and his savior three times. He had remorse. He was dealing with guilt. If you're dealing with guilt, remorse, regret, discouragement, you've been knocked down, just hear the voice of God today. 
come out of that place. Let it go and move on. Get your attitude back to who Christ called you to be. You're not Simon, you're Peter. Get back into the destiny and the race that God has for you. Stand yourself up, let Jesus dust you off, and you keep running. It's time to become all that God has called you to be. And Jesus is our best example of someone that died, he was crucified. But how many know you couldn't keep him dead? Jesus wouldn't stay down. He was staying alive. Can I get an amen? And on the heels of getting kicked the hardest, when he returned to his original form, he went so high that he was seated at the right hand of the Father, exalted about every principality, dominion, authority, and power, and given the name that is above every name in this age and in the age to come. He is our Jesus. He is above all. He is more powerful than all. Everything has been placed under his feet. Come on, he is our Jesus. He's in us into our life, we're going to be an overcomer. And here's my challenge. Here's my challenge. When you get hit, stay in faith. Stay unshakable. Go back to the Word and look what God said about you. Keep believing, keep hoping, keep declaring, keep climbing, keep racing, keep moving. Because that's the, who you really are, the Jesus in you. And I declare that if you will do this and you will stay in faith, that Jesus is going to have expression in your life like you've never seen before. You're going to see things turn around in your life. God's going to take you places, new places. He's going to transport you to the land that he wanted to give you all along. He's going to give you the right people, the right opportunities, the right relationships. He's going to open doors for you. He's going to promote you. And even in the years of famine, you will find success and prosperity. Even in the time when diseases comes, you will find yourself healed and whole. Even in the times of brokenness, you'll find yourself united and in love. Can I get an amen? Thank you so much for joining us today. And we're going to continue this conversation on our daily Bible study. You can go to YouTube and type in daily Bible study. We're the number one daily Bible study in the world on YouTube. And we're going to continue this conversation. We do a morning scripture. We pray every day. It's maybe 10, 12, 15 minutes long. Yeah. Subscribe to it. You're going to love it. We got our Married for Life book out there. You know, me and Holly found out that, you know what destroys relationships? Fights. And you know what? There's a way to get in and out of arguments in less than five minutes and get rid of 98% of all the fights that are going on out there. So, you know, imagine if you got rid of all those fights. Well, how do I do that? How do we get rid of the dumb fights and then be able to get in and out of fights in five minutes? And if you enjoy my stories, every chapter has some of me and Holly's dumbest fights. We fought <laughs> over potato salad, flip-flops. I love it. You name it, we have. And so you can get this on Amazon. Just type in Married uh, for Life and Scott Anderson. You see all the books that I have. We want to spend a moment, and if you're watching this and you're not saved, and you don't know where your eternity is going to end up, it's so simple. You know, it's not about rules. It's not about religion. It's not about following a set. It's all about believing. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you're saved. Simple, easy. Say this prayer after me. Believe in your heart and you have it. Everybody say, Dear Father, I ask you right now, Come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for all of my sins and was raised from the dead. I believe that Jesus is a Savior. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. You're saved. Amen. Well, if you want, we would love to have you partner with us in what we're doing. You know, this word that Pastor Scott's preaching, it's going all over the globe, the daily Bible study as well. And you can be part of what we're doing around the world. So I just encourage you, visit wakeuptv.tv. You can donate right there and join the team of believers that are making a difference. And if you don't have a church home, find one. It's so important to a great life that you are planted in the house of the Lord. Remember that this is the day that the Lord hath made. Come on, let's rejoice and be glad in it. See you next time.